Punks podcast, and we are celebrating 100 episodes in, and we are still exploring all kinds of ideas and questions and conversations relevant to faith and life in the Dunker Punk movement. We're still inviting so many people into thoughtful, risk taking, faithful community, and life changing conversations. This scrappy little podcast has grown and expanded over the years and managed to become a part of the lives of so many people. I know you want some numbers, so here are some numbers about how that's working. We've had at least 10 folks who work on the production and behind the scenes of the podcast, six hosts, and three editors. Over 30 people have contributed audio to the podcast, and because those folks interview all kinds of more people, over 225 people have been interviewed. We've posted 3,852 minutes of audio. That works out to about 64 hours or two and a half days. All those episodes are on our archives, y'all. You can go Download all the episodes and sit in your house and listen to the Dunker Bunks for two and a half days straight. And people are listening. The show has been listened to almost 30 
thousand times. That's a little bit mind-blowing for me. I live life in sort of tiny contexts, tiny church, small denomination, 30,000 listens to this scrappy little podcast. That's incredible. Of course, you and I both know that statistics can't quite capture the impact of all the ways this podcast has changed people's lives. Maybe you've heard one of our hosts tell a story about how one episode literally changed his mind in real time about his next steps after college. If you haven't heard that story, listen up for Emmett to tell it in this episode. Maybe you've been one of the people who have heard an episode and changed your mind about a significant question of faith. Maybe you participated in this spring's Dunker Punk's Love Feast service, which was, by the way, our most listened to episode ever, offering a sacred connection during a time of social distancing. In a world where technology so often threatens to tear us apart, this podcast has a pretty solid track record of bringing us together. I have so much more to say about how awesome this Dunker Punks podcast is, how much I love it, and why exactly that is, but it turns out I've already said most of those things before. Today on our podcast, we're sharing audio from a panel of hosts and contributors that took place at the Church of the Brethren Annual Conference in the summer of 2018. That panel was focused on listening for young adult voices in the church, Emmett Witkowski Eldred moderates it, and it includes Liz O'Leary Swinson, Jonathan Stauffer, Jacob Krause, and me. And don't stop listening once you finish listening to that awesome panel discussion, because this mega 100th anniversary super episode also includes an interview with Jared McKenna, the man who inspired the name for our podcast. Listening back to this conversation and hearing Jared reflect on what he means when he says Dunker Punk made me so grateful that this podcast even exists in the first place. To be reminded of all the deep and wide ways that we are bound together through experience and conviction, hospitality, and the spirit, even while we are apart. To keep alive this desire to return to the original revolution of our tradition. I hope the joy and conviction of these conversations flows through your speakers and your earbuds and invites you again into this particular kind of Dunker Punk community. One note on the audio, the insight session began with small groups talking about their own experience of young adults in their congregations. So Liz and I um, are sharing a little of what happened in our small groups when the panel opens and then Emmett starts moderating the discussion. So you'll hear from that panel from a couple years ago talking about why Dunker Punks is awesome and what young adults might have to contribute. And then you'll hear Pastor Matt Riddle interviewing Jared McKenna. Enjoy. Would any panelists like to report out on what they heard or shared? my group was talking a lot about social media and like where are young adults on social media and how do you know? And like, as soon as somebody said, as soon as the parents show up on one platform, the youth are gone immediately. (laughs) Um, so, um, but figuring out how to communicate, like how are young adults communicating and how can 
we be in that space, whether it's a social media um, platform or a different time frame than Sunday morning. Um, but where are they? And not expect them to come where we are and get back on Facebook. Um, somebody said a teenager told them that uh, their grandma made them get a Facebook. Um, but not expect young adults to come to us, but to figure out where they are and then be there. And I would say be there, but we have to be careful not to infiltrate, right? Mm -hmm. Like to co-opt. And I think that's kind of what happened with Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, I'm on it, but like, I don't put my personal life on Facebook anymore. It's just work life. It's just church life. Instagram is where my personal life is. Right. Um, and so we have to engage in youth and young adults to meet and like, if we have youth and young adults in our congregations, ask them to do our social media Mm -hmm. instead of like the pastor trying to do it. And not really knowing the medium and it being sort of awkward and strange, but like empower the youth and young adults to meet each other in the platform that they're already using. Well, I think this is a good moment to transition into our panel discussion. Um, we are already in, into the panel discussion anyway, I think. So um, Jonathan or Jacob, do you have anything to add in terms of um, how you would answer that question about um, where you've witnessed young adult participation or... Um, ideas for your faith community to start fostering more of it? Um, well, sometimes I feel like I'm sort of the odd young adult that I like solitude and uh, being outdoors, although a lot of young adults do like being outdoors. Um, I maybe not be on social media as much, but I think, I th- what I said in my group at least, was that I think young adults like to have a safe space that can be heard. Um, you don't have to necessarily agree with their points, but if you at least show that you are interested in hearing what they have to say, uh, that they've been heard, I think that's a huge step in building a uh, relationship with young adults, trying to uh, just be with them and not necessarily overanalyze, uh, like, you know, like the social media aspects, but, you know, at least be mindful of the community's space and the work, the work hours or the the chaotic life patterns that just kind of seem to creep up on young adults. I just want to riff off of that real quick. Um, I think like friendship too, just generally, is a big aspect. Uh, and friendship and relate and that sort of a relationship is a big aspect of young adults connecting, and especially in a spiritual religious context. At Washington City, where I attend, we're mostly young adults now, and I think part of that is because like. All of us have connected to each other outside of church and stuff like that in a lot of ways. We spend a lot of time with each other um, generally, but it's also a very slow growth model. It's not like a mega church or anything like that. We're still really small because of that too, because um, you don't make really good friends, really, or at least I don't make really good friends really quick. I think young adults and maybe people in general have trouble making friends. Like, especially if you're not in a holding environment like a college or a school or a volunteer program, it's hard to make friends. Yeah. Um, and church is one place where people just want to know you and be your friend. Um, and I've really appreciated intergenerational friendships um, that I didn't expect to be important in my life, um, but that came from church stuff. And I think, like, not approaching young adults with, like, oh, we need you, please come. But like, oh, I would like to be your friend. And even like when I was a young adult in um, 
in BVS, like going, being invited to someone's house for a meal was like the best thing ever just to be in a home, you know, like with no expectations that there was an event or a program, but just like, oh yes, I would love to like have a meal in someone's home. Um, so I, I like that, Jacob. And a lot of young adults are foodies. <laughs> and so like, I said that too, yeah. we, we love cooking, man. And so whenever, like in our community, whenever somebody does like invites people over, like you get some interesting dishes and it's the gives people a reason to kind of decompress through cooking and food, which is awesome. One of the things that I have heard most often um, from an, the older generation of church speaking to the younger generation of church is, oh, thank goodness you're here. Now you can do our ministry for us. And that is the most painful, insulting thing you can say to a young person because it's assuming that they have no ministry of their own and that their only purpose is to continue on your ministry for you. Um, and, and I really want to push back and say, if you want to welcome in youth and young adults into your congregation, ask them what they want to do, ask them what they're passionate about, ask them where their heart is, and then empower them with money, with time, with resources, with space, with whatever they need to go about and do that. Because you can, you can empower the next generation of church knowing that the, the ministries that you have lived out in your life have lived to their fullest and been meaningful for you, and now you get to help someone else have that experience in their life. Um, and I think that's like the most important thing that a, 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 a traditional pre-existing church can do to, to empower youth and, young, youth and young adults. Yeah, I really love that. I think that one of the metaphors that is often used sometimes when talking about how to engage young adults is this idea of like passing on the baton it's like sometimes we don't want your baton. <laughs> We'd rather um, have the have the freedom um, to to make our own our, our own path, and and uh, and so I really love that that point that you raised. Um, one of the things that I talked about in my group um, after hearing from Carolyn, who um, I think is a great example of someone who has um, supported young adult ministry just by being who she is. Um, I work, or I used to work many summers at Camp Blue Diamonds, um, one of the summer camps in the Church of the Brethren. Uh, and Carolyn, um, I got to know as the nurse who would usually volunteer one week or two weeks of her summer uh, to come and support that ministry. It was just a way that uh, she gave of her time. But I think that being in outdoor ministry is, is something that has really shaped my perspective on what it means or what a vision of equipping and um, empowering young adult leaders can be. Um, because if, if you think about it, not only is camp a place where we do spiritual formation and education and community building with youth, but it's also a ministry that only operates because um, young adults choose to be engaged with it. Um, because um, most camps, their counselors are all young adults um, in college or in high school. Um, and it's, it's not just that they're allowing young adults to come in, but they're really putting young adults into a pretty serious leadership position. Because what matters more to you than the safety and the well-being of your children? So if we are able and willing to entrust young adults to keep track of and take care of and do spiritual formation with our children for a week, um, that, that gives me so much hope and inspiration that we can be doing more to equip and empower young adults to be doing more of their leadership and stewardship of the church as well. 
So this is the Dunker Punks podcast, like I said. Uh, that's a funny term. Um, people, I've been talking with people at the Honor Peace booth all week, um, and I think people have sometimes heard of it, sometimes not, and they have funny reactions to it. So I'm really interested if um, the panel would like to share what that term means to them and kind of what do you what do you feel like it means for you to be a Dunker Punk? I think I'm on the older end of Dunker Punk. <laughs> Me too. I know that they grew out of NYC that I was far too old to go to. Um, <laughs> and so I like watched it happen on social media, which was kind of cool. Um, and then and then was invited to be a part of the podcast. So it's kind of an honor to, to be invited into the cool young kids table. Um, but I, but for me, it's a, it's about, um, reimagining what, what it means to be a dunker and a baptism brethrenness, um, that there's these core values that are really powerful that can speak to um, a new generation. And this is a new way that it can do that. Um, it's sort of the, um, the new wine skin, um, for old wine. I think that's not quite how that goes, but. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also definitely on the older end and feel the same way, like really excited and grateful to get included in the Dunker Punk movement. Um, In the most recent podcast that uh, is live today, um, one of the guests I, I asked is what you're doing punk and one of the folks answered they said um, they're talking about offering sanctuary in their church to an undocumented neighbor and one of them said yes punk is like going out and doing there doing whatever it is you're called to do even if it's not clear where it's going to go even if it's unfinished you know like the punk music like the aesthetic was super handmade and kind of scratchy and not very like um, fine-tuned it had yeah scrappy um, <laughs> with rough edges and I love that about the Dunker Punk movement it is not like wait until we have all this set and all the details figured out it is like this is important and we have something to say and we're going to say it and figure out how to say it and then answer all the questions that the church board committees would make us answer like down the line um, I, I like being a Dunker Punk because there's energy and passion, um, and we are not required to know how it's all going to go yet. I will say also, though, that the people behind the podcast um, do have everything figured out, like far more. Like you can't see what was up here on our table, but we all have outlines and fudge and got like <laughs> questions beforehand because Suzanne back there is incredible with details and planning. Um But that's because that's who Suzanne is and not because we need to have all those questions answered in order to take the first step. Um, And that's that's what I really appreciate about Dunker Punks. So I guess I'll start by asking, have have you heard the story of how Dunker Punks term got created? And I wasn't at the NYC that it happened, but I think if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong of the name, but I think it was when Jared McKenna, who was from Australia, came to speak at NYC and I don't know if it was just he thought of it ahead of time or if it just came as a moment of the spirit, but he's just like, you know, you guys are like dunker punks, you know? It's, it's just sort of something that came out, and after that, it just caught on like wildfire. Um, but I would say, too, I'm on the older end, having adults, which maybe um, kind of shows as you get to be less young of an adult or older adult, however you want to think of it. Um, we kind of get a sense of maybe a little more of what we're about. For, for doing God's work in the world. And for me, being a Dunker Punk is like that radical way of Jesus. How do I live that out in a way that um, even if I might be seen as unpopular or 
uh, being in challenging circumstances, um, I still feel like there's something within me that needs to speak to that. And I think it's, whether it's spirit-led or from reading scripture or prayer or whatever that appeals to the person, um, I think it's just a part of how we live out that faith, how we understand it, um, regardless of the, the outcome. Um, and that's pretty scary for me as someone who likes to be a look before you leap person, but I think that's part of experimentation too that goes with being a Dr. Punk. Sometimes you try something out, if you make a mistake, you learn from it, and then um, move on with something else. If it works, great. Um, and just thank God that it uh, hopefully glorifies the kingdom in that way. So I'm a super young Dr. Punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess for my part, I'll just break apart the word Dr. Punk to kind of give it a short and sweet uh, definition. So first word, Dunker, kind of Anabaptist brethren, because we dunked baptized. But Anabaptists, like their original intent was to be like the early church and just follow um, Jesus's teachings to the T. Um, and Jesus's teachings were super punk. Like yeah. in the, like the countercultural mindset, the the just the way he tackled uh, issues and stuff like that was hardcore punk. So that's where the word dunker punk comes from, and I totally would like to strive to be one. Yeah. Jacob, you want to hold on to the mic, and we'll sure. just come down the yeah. line for this next question. Um, so obviously, one of the things that we are excited to share about is specifically the Dunker Punks podcast. Um, so if you guys would all like to, I, I guess, just reiterate maybe what you do with the podcast and how has the podcast been meaningful or significant for you and why should people, why should people listen? So, uh, I, um, I, I mostly edit the podcast, uh, every other week I, I swap out with Kevin Schatz, um, doing that and, uh, do the music for it as well. And I posted a few times, um, for me, just like as a concept, the podcast is great because I've been in a lot of churches where I was like one of the only youth or young adult uh, in my past. And so to be able to, and so coming to conferences and stuff like this was always super great because you were around a lot of people who grew up similarly in the quirky brethren world. And um, so getting to hear what people are doing and getting just that vibe every couple weeks is really great. Um, for people, I don't know, who maybe don't feel quite as connected um, to the world, or to our world. Uh, and let's see, also, yeah, I, I, uh, writing music, not just for this podcast, but generally, like, since the podcast has been formed, um, has changed a bit for me. I try to um, keep, like, the idea of Dunker Punks in my mind when I'm writing. Um, even if it's for secular stuff, like I play in a, a emo punk band in DC, and so even like writing lyrics for that, um, it comes to mind. Well, it's pretty easy to write um, punk music these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, being part of the Dunker Punks podcast movement, um, at first it gave me an outlet to just kind of explore sort of the theology I was getting into, especially at the time I was going into Bethany Seminary when this started. Uh, I had been at Arlington Church of the Brethren, which uh, Nancy Fitzgerald, who was there at that time, um, was really encouraging to help me share my passions 
as I was working uh, through BVS and the Office of Public Witness. Uh, now it's the Office of Peace Building and Policy. Um, and from that, just, yeah, having that outlet to reflect, for me it was a lot around creation care, ecological theology, um, ways that we can sort of give back to God from the gifts we've received through creation. Um, and then as I heard other episodes, I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I kind of can agree with some of that. Like, and I, almost, I don't want to still dance on her too much, but when she gets into the empire, I'm like, yeah. I, I definitely see there's some resistance in Jesus to empire. And how do we, uh, you know, so it kind of gets me fired up, and then I want to go speak some more about it, and then that might fire up some other young adults. And I think that's a huge way that I can stay grounded in faith. Um, to not know that I'm, I'm not the only Dr. Punk that's thinking these things or that's uh, seeking scripture or uh, ways to live that out more fully in the world. Yeah, I think the podcast is incredible because it practices what brethren believe so well. Um, the leadership is really distributed and there are, I don't, like someone should tally up the number of voices that have been on the podcast because there are three hosts, but the contributors are, I mean, there are dozens of contributors who are then interviewing other people that they know or who they have heard of who are doing awesome things in the world. And so it's not just one or two voices. It's a multitude of voices from many different places and many different like stages of life. Um, there was a recent podcast where Sarah Olaminick interviewed, how old was? She was like, what? This? She interviewed me. <laughs> Did she? Yes. Oh, wow. For the alternative Christmas bazaar. Yeah. is inclusive of everyone in our church of all of us. Yeah. Well, I won't ask you your age. <laughs> but she also interviewed like, a like 10, an 11-year-old. Okay. I think also from your church, who was working at um, making money from Malala's um, Malala education fund, fund yeah. um, by making these coasters. Um, and uh, like, where else would you hear that story? Right. Like, where else would an 11-year-old get interviewed on a podcast? Um, but also Mark Charles, who was here and was a speaker at, at um, a huge dinner, the Discipleship Ministry Center, and is really pretty famous um, online. He's written books. Um, fantastic guy. Was a guest on Dunker Monk's podcast. Like, it's just this incredibly wide range that values so many different voices and puts that into practice. And I think that's... Um, important for us to hear as the church as we try to talk with one another like there's room for all these voices we don't have to narrow our channels um, so strictly there's plenty of room for all of us and Dunker Funks just does that naturally yeah as I say it's a it's a space for dialogue um, I get to host two times a year maybe and um, Suzanne does a great job of giving me a heads up so I can get my act together because I've typically <laughs> forgotten about it by that time. Um, and, and I get to invite people that I want to have conversation with, people that I want to be friends with, um, people that I'm interested in having dialogue with to have conversation. This year, this last year, my two episodes, I focused on the compelling vision process and so invited some young adults to have conversation, really frank and hard conversation about our thoughts on the compelling vision process as we were watching it man like manifest and culminate in coming to here, um, and and some asking some challenging questions about the process, um, and so inviting dialogue that we wouldn't necessarily get to have other than like really quickly in line for ice cream at annual conference, right? Like we get to extend the comfort the conversations that may or may not happen at annual conference. Yeah, I was going to say something very similar to what Dana said, but she said it way better than I ever could. So just 
rewind it and replay There's it room for every head. voice, brother. <laughs> <laughs> this, this but the, <laughs> but the, the other thing, um, the other thing I'll say, I was talking to Dana about this earlier, but it's not just that we're lifting up um, these important stories, but um, it's it's something that I know has at least changed one life because it has changed my life. Um, so my wife decided about six months ago that she was going to enter into Brethren Volunteer Service. And um, next year I am planning to do law school and Brethren Volunteer Service has always, always, always been something I wanted to do. Um, and so it was clear that this was the opportunity to do it. And as soon as that opportunity arose, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I, was, I was really scared um, because it would mean both of us losing our incomes um, with mountains of student debt and other debt that we have from building um, a young life together. Um, and so as soon as, soon after she decided, I heard um, from Becky Olaminik, who works in the denominational offices and who was inviting me to work with her as a BBS placement. And so it was like this really clear call and I was very scared and I was pretty ready to reject it. And then not even two days later, um, I got to listen to an episode um, where Dana interviewed Dan McFadden, who runs BBS, uh, at least for now. And um, he he pretty much answered point by point all the doubts that I had. Um, in the interview. In, in the interview between, between Dana and Dan. It was like I was talking to him, but once again, Dana was putting it so much better than I could, and I got to benefit from it. Um, and even then, it, it was still a process of, of discerning and, and convincing myself to do it. And, it had to be two other episodes of the Dunker Punks podcast that were with completely different people talking about service and talking about young adult leadership. Um, and finally, I did decide to do it, and I wouldn't have decided to do it if it hadn't been for the Dunker Punks podcast. And so, I know I've been changed in that way, and, and there's hundreds of people that listen to this podcast, and so all I can do is hope that more people have, have heard it and been inspired by these stories and um, have made changes big, big and small in their lives. So one last question for our panelists. Um, I'll just ask you, what is, what is something that you do in that Dunker Punk spirit of living out your faith today? And what do you want your faith community, whether it be your congregation or your denomination, to do more to support you in that effort? I feel like it's a huge question. Um, and you got one minute to answer it each time. <laughs> I think just empower youth and young adults to live into their call, um, to live into the compelling vision that they um, see in the world. Um, I started a church <laughs> at 28 years old. I went to my district and said, I want to start a church. They're like, great, here's some money. <laughs> um, they didn't know that it would work. They didn't know even really, we hadn't really figured out what my plan was yet, but they said, here, we believe you can make this happen. Go and do it. Um, and that was the most empowering thing that anyone's ever done for me. Um, believe in your youth and young adults. Empower them to do what they feel called to do. I used to be a youth minister, and I think that junior high kids are the best theologians in the world. <laughs> um, maybe specifically the junior high kids of five years ago at Manassas Church of the Brethren, but... Um, and it's because they're not afraid of having the wrong answer and they're not afraid of disagreeing about something vehemently. Um, and they're, ju they're just not afraid of being wrong yet. It gets instilled in them pretty quickly. Um, 
but I learned from them to be willing to like be wrong and to talk about stuff and to make space for conversation. Um, and I wish that more adults would have given that to me um, and would continue to give that to me instead of saying, don't say that in that space or don't say that word. Or if you're going to be around these people, you can't say what you really think. Um, I just think that's crap. Um, I don't think it helps anybody. I think it's unhealthy for church leaders in particular. And for young people, especially when we invite them into Christian discipleship and being a part of the church, we promise them this. And somewhere along the line, we tell them, okay, that's all. Um, you can't be enthusiastic anymore. This is not NYC. You can't clap for a preacher here. Your enthusiasm doesn't have a place on the floor of annual conference business. Like, I just think I hate that. Um, and I wish that the church would have the courage to continue encouraging young people to say what they think and to be honest and to trust that there's a place to do that in community where they will be held in love and care and fellowship and not cast out because they said the wrong word. Um, because I've watched young adults leave because they said one wrong word and someone said, you're a heretic. And that was it. Like that's, um, it's just not healthy. So I wish that the church would practice what they offer to young people when they're really young and say, yes, this is a place where we can hold you even if we disagree and even if you aren't quite sure yet how you want to say that thing, um, that there's still a place even when you get to high school or college or beyond. So yeah, I agree with a lot of what has been said already. Um, I'll also add that I think for me, um, having older adults that with experience share their stories at times too is very helpful for me um, because maybe an older adult had gone through a similar life circumstance and if I heard somebody else got through that um, it might it, it helps empower me to say hey you know maybe that wasn't so bad um, the tricky part is knowing when it's welcomed or invited because um, not all young adults will give off that vibe of like, hey, teach me something really awesome, some cool life wisdom, um, partly because we're still trying to figure out what we're asking uh, and how we see the world. And um, so if the spirit moves, I'd say do your best to share. And if it doesn't seem like it came across right away, don't be discouraged to try it with somebody else or at a later time with the same person. Um, I think that's one of those spirit-led community building exercises and exercises in love that that we have to take risks as a church um, and lots of food lots of free food yes. <laughs> food is good <laughs> food is good I yeah I guess I don't have things super different than um, than what y'all said um, I think we need to to realize it's okay to be uncomfortable in fact it's good to be uncomfortable uh, sometimes we get, yeah, I think we just get used to, to how we're doing things. Um, I, th I also think risks are, risk-taking is really good uh, to an extent. Like thoughtful risk-taking is really good. A lot of times, especially in my life, it's not worked out the way I expected it to, but it's worked out in a way that um, I think in the end opened up new opportunities um, and changed for, for the better. So, uh, yeah, I would encourage some thoughtful risk-taking uh, when the opportunities arise um, 
it's a good way, I, I feel like it's a good way to grow. Um, and I, I guess just to end on a nice positive note, um, I wanted to share some lyrics from a friend of mine, Chris Good, in his song, Beautiful. Uh, he says, uh, and it goes along, kind of along with your like encouragement of uh, children in the church, but continuing that through adulthood. And it goes, um, you can be anything, you can love anyone, you can have a crazy style, or you can wear sweatpants and t-shirts all the time. Go ahead and paint your nails pink. Don't care about what other people think. You are beautiful. So I think that those are important words to live by, too. So we are just about out of time. But I always like to end uh, our podcast with um, what I like to think of as a prayerful challenge. Um, and so my challenge for you all tonight, um, there's, two, there's two of them. The first is to think about ways that maybe you brought up in discussion or maybe ways that have stirred um, for you since then that you can be more active in terms of lifting up young adult leadership and youth leadership in your church. Um, feel free to take risks and be humble enough to know that sometimes it means not just passing on the baton but handing over the reins and letting them have the freedom to, to make their own path with your wisdom and guidance, but Jonathan said it's most appreciated. And then the second challenge is you've heard uh, one active young adult leadership ministry, uh, the Dr. Punks podcast, and there are a number of ways that you can be involved in supporting us. Um, first of all, we are always welcoming and soliciting more um, contributors to the podcast. So. If you or someone you know uh, would be interested in participating in that way, we actually uh, compensate our contributors, we believe, especially since so many of them are young adults, that it's important uh, for them to, to, to have their work valued and affirmed in that way. Um, second of all, we need donors to support that money that we are using to pay our contributors. So, um, um, like I said, our podcast is hosted on Arlington. Um, Church of the Brethren's website, that's arlingtoncob.org, and then the specific URL is arlingtoncob.org slash dpp, and you can find all sorts of information there. So first of all, subscribe to us, uh, like us on Facebook and other social media, um, and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts um, so that you can start listening to us, share us, third, encourage uh, a young adult in your life to become a contributor. And I should add to that, we also have a new internship. Um, this is a paid internship um, that will entail probably about 10 to 15 hours a week um, of, of someone who's gonna be uh, behind the mic or in front of the mic however they contribute their talents. It's through our, our coordination with Honor of Peace. Uh, and we are certainly interested in, in a young person taking up that role and getting, and getting paid to do that. Um, would you join me in thanking our panelists one last time? Dunkerpunks have just kind of gone, Jared, he's one of us. And I, I can't tell you how much that means to me, Matt, that um, uh, there, there is something across the, the fusion of our different traditions as we explore the things that um, uh, make us come alive in the spirit um, that express itself in uh, living God's love. And, uh, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty special.
Hi, Dunker Punks. This is Matt Riddle, pastor with the Arlington Church of the Brethren. If you've attended annual conference over this last decade, you probably recognize that other voice you just heard. The Australian accent is a giveaway. Jared McKenna is an activist, theologian, host of the Inverse podcast with co-host Drew Hart, a member of the Harrisburg First Church of the Brethren, and much, much more. We know him best, though, around these parts as the person who inspired the name for this very podcast. Preaching at the 2014 National Youth Conference, he challenged people to find new ways to return to the revolutionary roots of both our Anabaptist faith and of the life of Jesus. He challenged people to engage in the mustard seed revolution and become dunker punks. 100 episodes later, here we are. And he was kind enough to sit down with us and help us celebrate this landmark episode. So, of course, the first question, the question on all of our minds, where did he come up with that term? Dunker punks. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was the awkwardness of um, uh, loving the Peace Church witness so much and it being such a, a massive influence on my life, Matt. Um, and uh, the, the heart of the Church of the Brethren, what in um, uh, the early 60s was to choose a name um, that would accurately represent the egalitarian nature um, of uh, this part of the Peace Church movement, which is a, a fun cocktail of um, uh, Anabaptism and Pietism um, brought together um, through the Mac Witness and um, their mates. And uh, Church of Brethren was decided upon, and then people very quickly went, actually, Brethren is not quite all the egalitarian stuff uh, we were quite hoping for, was it? Like, um, and so it's been this kind of awkward thing that, um, uh, it, and, and so sitting with that and knowing the tradition um, from afar and having such an appreciation for it, the original term of dunkers um, or dunkers, um, so-called because of the um, the, the the thrice uh, baptism. Um, uh, forward uh, for for most right, we like um, to dunk people, yeah, that literally dunk people, and so um, uh, dunkers or dunkers um, was a, an easy go to for me, and also a sense of because um, I, I guess it's it's three or four different things um, you lot have brought me to the US to hang out with you and learn from you um, for, and um, just praying through being with you all, what I could sense um, amongst those I met was there was a hunger for the original revolution, not a, not a nostalgic kind of, um, if only we could go back to the good old days, but instead, how do we actually uh, hear that music again and um, start to dance in rhythm um, to what was really radical and could be radical in its um, uh, Christ-centeredness and uh, its sense of um, service for all and others, something that was good news for all of creation. Um, something that during our unprecedented ecological crisis would weirdly surprise people that um, we would uh, um, uh, talk and walk more like Jesus than um, uh, conservatives who tend to talk a lot about him um, and uh, would be at the forefront on um, all things to do with healing justice, maybe like the progressives. And so if we could surprise people by not fitting in the boxes, and that was the punk bit, right, Matt? That was the um, how, how to... 
um, uh, punks were a countercultural movement uh, who who sought to, um, you know, with, with safety pins and cutting their own clothes together and picking up instruments they didn't know how to play and just giving it a red-hot go. And so uh, Dunker Punks was how, how do we um, take part in that original revolution of God's coming future in ways that we just pick up our instruments that we don't know how to play and just, you know, rock out some three chords and string them together into a quick song. So that, that was fun. some of the, the, the impetus and what came together um, late night in the, uh, what, what was the venue in Colorado? The, it's a university. Uh, Moby is the, uh, the God of Yeah, yeah. So in, in one of the, um, uh, in one of the rooms late at night, pacing back and forward um, in, in prayer, thinking about, Lord, why have you brought me halfway around the world to speak to um, uh, this mob that uh, I was like, oh, this, this is what the Holy Spirit's up to. How, how do we communicate this in ways that kind of uh, capture imagination and send us out in loving service? I, I love so much of what you said there, that hunger for the original revolution, you know, not in that good old days way. Um, yeah. The original revolution. We heard from Jacob earlier in the podcast trying to, uh, you know, he's trying to explain Dunker Punk and he said Dunker because we want to get back to the original revolution, as you said. And then uh, in his own words, he said, you know, what's more punk than the teachings of Jesus, right? <laughs> That's culture. great. Uh, he was the original Dunker Punk. On you, punk, Jacob. Say. That'll preach. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I tried to offer Jared a quick word of thanks for that challenge to become Dunker Punks. He interrupted me to say this. If that says anything right, it says that like um, anybody can do it, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, if we can do it, right? it doesn't. It doesn't take um, uh, brilliant people. It, it just takes people um, who are down for Jesus' revolution. And um, if if broken, problematic um, uh, people like me uh, can be involved, it means anybody can. And that's the yeah. importance of like uh, our gospel. In grace, not merely being pardoned, but actually being empowerment. It means that all of us can get in on this. This has got much more to do with um, the work of being in recovery, like uh, somebody in AA or NA, than it does um, a, a gym for the, the morally fit. Um, this is the, the work of actually coming to terms with our, our own kind of, you know, um, the access of evil runs through every heart, as Solson Nishan puts it, um, or we're all in this mess together. So Cornel West, um, one of my big heroes, uh, he puts it, uh, our, our role, our vocation is to love our crooked neighbour with our crooked self. So if somebody's listening here and it's like, oh, I don't know if I qualify for all of that, let's take each other off pedestals and relate to one another as problematic brothers and sisters who are all desperately in need of kindness and grace um, because we're all just struggling um, to do the best we can, right? Amen to that. I know in my own life, even as a pastor, I wrestle almost weekly sometimes with that little voice in my head, that voice that makes me wonder if the thoughts I have are worth sharing. If what I feel like I want to say is what others need to hear. And I think that's a universal struggle, one we all need to wrestle with. So it's so important to, uh, as we heard earlier, let's take each other off those pedestals and be our crooked selves helping our crooked neighbor. All we have to do after all is pick up an instrument we might barely know how to play and start playing it. Part of that as well is... Um, it's the difference between 
um, having a radical faith um, or a liberal or conservative faith. Uh, radical in the sense of the um, Latin word, like w- where we get the word um, radish or um, even radius from. It means to go to the root. Um, and at the root of Christian faith is Jesus. The Peace Church will um, emphasise Jesus uh, um the peacemaker, um, the the prophetic black church tradition will emphasize Jesus, the liberator. Uh, but anything that's going to help you, like uh, the books that are on my desk at the moment, um, there's a um, Anglican book of common prayer. Um, there's a, a book by Orthodox theologian, David Bentley Hart. There's uh, Wes Daniels new book on the book of revelation, resisting empire. Uh, uh, there's um, Christ of the Celts. Um, my own tradition on my, my dad's side. There's Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. There's Wealth and Poverty in um, Early Christianity by Ree. There's The Strength to Love by Martin Luther King. Constantly be feeding yourself the kind of stuff that your imagination um, is, is full of um, things that you can plant mustard seeds in and see them grow. If we don't fertilise the mustard seeds, Matt, if we don't uh, find good things to put um, uh, great soil um, uh, for it to grow in, we'll find that these uh, an, an initial sparks will be just that. Um, but if it's going to catch fire, uh, you have to have some really great dry kindle that's ready to burn. Given that diverse list of books, I asked Jared to say more about where his influences have come from and what people or traditions have helped shape his faith. A, a, a number of streams that have flown into the same place. So one of them is the Catholic worker movement. And if people haven't read Peter Moran and Dorothy Day, um, I, I don't want to encourage consumerism uh, nor theft, but if you need to borrow a book from somewhere um, or uh, uh, trade some books for others or, or start a library, um, read yeah, read the Catholic worker tradition. It's a, it's a massive influence on me. Um, uh, living with Carl Meyer in uh, 2001 in Nashville when I was in school in America for um, under a year. Uh, <laughs> nearly lasted a year, Matt. Um, and Carl, he, uh, he had a picture in his living room of him marching shoulder to shoulder with Thich Nhat Hanh, the Nobel Peace Prize Vietnamese. I'm a Buddhist huge Thich Nhat Hanh fan on one shoulder and Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. on the other shoulder in Chicago in 67. And so Carl used to head up the Catholic worker in Chicago. And if if you've never been to a Catholic worker house or or farm, again, here's something, get one or two mates and go, we're going on a road trip and uh, we're we're looking up the Catholic worker um, uh, uh, farms or houses and we're going to go serve and learn and uh, get in on what they're doing. So their house is a hospitality um, with a Christ room in every place for uh, the vulnerable, the needy, the marginalised, um, those with their backs against the wall. Just incredibly inspiring. So that, that Catholic worker Dorothy Day can doism is a major influence. Um, but, you know, I'm a card-carrying charismatic, which is a, a, a bit of a, um, you, you know, it's... It's not cool to say, um, partly because there are so many crazies who also, um, uh, so somehow, like my dad, he, um, he, he was a monk in a Catholic um, tradition. And when he migrated to Australia in 72, he obviously um, uh, was no longer a, a monk. Um, it's not that kind of controversial story, Matt. Like, 
<laughs> I came along after my dad. Yeah, when you started the story, not, I was like, what's he sharing yeah, that, here? That's right. <laughs> um, uh, but from my dad, um, there was a deep appreciation for um, uh, Christian mysticism. Um, there were always books on Hildegard von Bingham and Meister Eckhart and um, Teresa of Avila and um, Julian of Norwich, um, um, Ignatius of Iola. Uh, these are people who were on my shelf as a kid. And uh, the practice of contemplative prayer um, was just something that my, my parents took me on retreats, prayer retreats, um, doing contemplative prayer. And so that and the charismatic movement, the sense that um, the, the spirit uh, does come upon us in ways that empowers and heals. And this isn't about a bunch of ideas, but um, uh, God really has uh, the, the power to take people um, who, you know, considered nothing in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. And um, th this is part of the upside down nature of the kingdom is um, uh, nobody's find that they're, they're somebody and that everybody is somebody um, when the spirit comes upon you. And so, um, you know, when Paul says, I would hope that all speak in tongues, I know that for <laughs> church, the brethren folk, they're like, time out too much. I'm tapping out right here. This might be, um, but, whatever it takes to experience God that makes your love for Jesus grow in such ways that um, you start to see Jesus in everyone and you, you start to, to serve others, I say go for it. And the, the charismatic movement has been very important for me in terms of that kind of stuff and bringing that together in a way that doesn't contradict contemplative prayer but actually encourages it. Um, so some people are sometimes surprised to learn that um, – uh, yes, I lived in a, a neo-monastic community that we started in one of the roughest areas of our neighbourhood and had um, uh, like morning prayer and Compline in the evening um, and a, a strong liturgical um, prayer rhythm as a community. But, you know, you, you could also find me yabba-dabba-doing um, when away from others um, and that was really important for my spiritual journey as well. Um so I'm so glad that, it, you know, as a people uh, of God's reign, people who have been called into a kingdom which undoes all imperialism, we don't have to choose between these things. We can be a both-and people. Uh, so both the Catholic worker movement, uh, Anabaptism generally, um, I'm a total nerd when it comes to early Quaker history, um, so the Society of Friends, uh, peace church uh, influence, but anybody who spends any, well, I mean, Matt, you, you can actually see me and I know um, people will be listening to us, but even on my wall behind us, let, let's go through, you've got uh, Dr. King um, sitting here in a Birmingham jail, uh, the prophetic black church tradition. Uh, I am who I am because I've sat at the feet of the black church tradition. So in the same way that some people are listening to, to this and are going, oh, I'm going to get uh, a road trip together with my mates make sure you go and visit some historic black churches. Um, uh, you know, a, a bunch of crew uh, up in um, uh, Virginia. Uh, so, I mean, Alfred Street Baptist is a, a church that I regularly listen to Howard John Wesley's sermons. Um, uh, that is an incredible resource. And the fusion between um, the prophetic black church tradition and the prophetic peace church tradition, which the Dunker Punks are a part of, is a really exciting place to stand at this moment in history. Uh, part of the reason why Drew Hart and I get on so well is because of the influence of 
um, the black church tradition and the peace church tradition. So what else is up here? Uh, we've got St. Francis of Assisi up here. There's Philip Berrigan behind us. Um, uh, there's a Eastern Orthodox icon of um, uh, the final judgment. Um, there's my eschatology just summed up <laughs> right there. Um, uh, if people haven't read the Orthodox way, one of the things that um, Chelsea and Tyler will, will tell people is that um, uh, with New Christians, it's one of the books that I go, hey, this is Christianity. Uh, Orthodox way is understanding of um, uh, Christian doctrine as spirituality, not separate from spirituality. So maybe on your road trip to historic black churches, um, uh, um, two Catholic workers, um, take a walk along the Orthodox way, um, uh, uh, be listening to some heartfelt uh, charismatic worship and bring all these things together in a way that um, makes us a people of uh, pursuing justice. How's that, Matt? This celebration wouldn't have been the same without Jared. And so we're so thankful for his joining us for this special episode. We'll hear more from this interview in a future podcast, but we'll close out this segment with Jared sharing how he feels about this podcast community. This is Jared talking about how he feels about us. Dunker Punks. Dunker Punks have just kind of gone, Jared, he's one of us. And I can't tell you how much that means to me, Matt, that um, uh, there, there is something across the, the fusion of our different traditions as we explore the things that... Um, uh, make us come alive in the spirit um, that express itself in uh, living God's love. And uh, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. What I'm saying is I like you a lot. Oh, <laughs> we like you too. We're equally uh, honored to uh, class up the joint by having you uh, with us. The Dunker Punks podcast exists because of you. A few folks do heavy lifting behind the scenes to make it possible. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Cassell. Matt Riddle contributed audio for this episode. Jacob Krause edits the show. And Suzanne Lay manages the production. And, as you heard, always goes the extra mile, sometimes even distributing fudge with the paperwork. The infrastructure is generously supported by the Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace. But the show exists because this vast network of Dunker Punks and Dunker Punk adjacent people like you keep listening, subscribing, contributing, conversing, and creating. And we want your input. You can find archives on iTunes and online at arlingtoncob.org dpp. You can connect with us on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. We're currently on the lookout for new contributors for the fall season. So if you've got a question, an interview, or an interest, you can email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We are always open to new ideas for growing or improving the show. It is as much yours as it is ours. Until next time, Dunker Punks. <laughs>